We've got two readings today. Uh, the first reading is Psalm 127, which you'll find on page 624 of the Church Bibles. Psalm 127, a song of ascents of Solomon. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. Children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. And the second reading is from Mark chapter 2, verses 23 to 28, which is on page 1004. Mark chapter 2, verse 23 to 28. Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the cornfields, and as his disciples walked along, they began to pick some ears of corn. The Pharisees said to him, Look, why are they doing what is unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered, Have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the days of Abiathar the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread which is lawful only for priests to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So the Son of Man is Lord, even of the Sabbath. Good morning, everybody. Um, let's pray as we look at these passages together. Thank you, Father, for the blood of Jesus that we've just been singing about, that we can enter into your presence freely through it. And thank you for your presence with us now, and we ask that you would uh, be our teacher by your Holy Spirit as we look at your word. Amen. Um, for those who are visiting or perhaps not been here for a few weeks, we have been doing a series for the last six weeks uh, called Embodied as we've been thinking about how our bodies, our physical bodies, relate to being followers of Jesus. And we've looked at all sorts of fun and interesting things. And I hope you found it encouraging, as I have. Um, and I think there's been some challenge in there as well. Um, and this, eve uh, this morning, we're concluding that series, looking at rest and the body, um, which feels a kind of appropriate place to finish for uh, looking at our body. So we're thinking about rest. Um, my uh, Twitter bio, if, if you know about such things, you have to know there's some shaking heads. Um, if, you, if you ever go on that, that website, um, it's a social media thing, and you put a sentence or two describing you, which is quite a big thing. Um, and people, some people change it. I wrote it about eight years ago when I joined Twitter, and I've, I've checked it about three times since. Um, and this was me about eight years ago. I don't know how you would describe yourself if you had a sentence or two. Here is how I described myself then. Uh, Christian, husband, dad, uh, school chaplain, as was. Uh, in response to how are you, 
generally happy and a bit tired. Um, at the time, I have now have three teenage daughters at the time, I had three younger daughters, and it was my experience that I was basically permanently either knackered or just a bit tired. So my gen general kind of response was, I'm quite happy, just quite tired. Um, I wonder how you, if you were to describe yourself in a sentence or two, including your physical self, I wonder what you would put. I'm not going to ask you to volunteer your suggestions, uh, but I have a think about it. Um, as we look at this final instalment in this series, Embodied, um, and we're thinking about rest, I've got three groups, at least three groups of people in mind, and you might fit into one or, or more of these, um, or maybe some subcategory, I don't know, you can make it up yourself. But here is who I'm thinking of as we're thinking about rest. Firstly, those who, probably younger, maybe at the moment, feel invincible. Physically, you kind of feel invincible. Um, you can do it all. Work, family, leisure. It's go, go, go. But you are on the top of your physical game. And, you know, that's all good. <laughs> they don't look like many people are going, yes, that's me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'm sure there's at least one person feeling physically fit this morning. Um, but maybe some of you feel, you know, maybe not invincible, but you're feeling pretty strong. Um, and it's all good. Second group of people... Maybe there's, by looks of things, a few more of us in this category. Um, second group, those who are massively burdened by the weight and busyness of everything. And you are not sure how sustainable it all is. There's a few more kind of, hmm. Third group, um, uh, I nearly didn't say this group, but I think it's worth naming. The third group is those who are approaching death, which in some sense is all of us, but perhaps those of us who are either older and or very unwell. And death for us is a, is a looming reality. Um, so those are the three groups. You're feeling invincible. You're feeling under the weight and strain of everything. Or maybe in a very real way approaching death. Those are the people I hope... Um, this morning, as we look at this idea of rest and the body, you will both feel challenge at times, but also encouragement this morning as we see how God has made us. Um, so uh, I've got three headings for you, whichever group you're in or, or somewhere in between. Three headings for you to kind of hang your, your thoughts on. Uh, the first is that rest is wired in. The second is that rest reveals trust. And the third is that rest is your final destination. Rest is wired in, rest reveals trust, and rest is your final destination. I hope this is helpful for you this morning. First, rest is wired in. We are made to need rest. Um, if you live an average human lifespan, uh, you will sleep during your lifetime for around 25 to 30 years. That's quite a long time. Um, about a third of your life. It's worth considering how significant, therefore, rest and sleep is in your life. During sleep, your brain processes the day's information. Um, that's where we get all those weird dreams. Uh, various hormones are released to kind of regulate your sleep and help your body recover. Apparently, your immune system releases special things. Um, <laughs> Inflammation-fighting cytokines. 
if you're interested, to help your body fight infection and trauma. I said earlier on at the first service, I am testimony to this this morning because I, the last couple of days, have been battling a horrible cold. I went to bed last night feeling really quite rotten. And I don't feel amazing this morning, but I feel an awful lot better having slept relatively well. Um, so sleep is powerful and significant. Um, we need sleep. Rest is wired into the human condition. We know that from experience, whether we've slept amazingly or very badly, and we know that from the Bible. Um, I don't know if you've noticed from the Genesis account of creation, in Genesis chapter 1, something about it quite significant. So you know that humans were created on the sixth day. What happens on the seventh day? Rest. God rests from his work of creation. So the first day, first full day that humans experience is a day of rest. Um, So presumably after a nice night's sleep, the first humans wake up, And they get to rest for a day. Um, Amazing. So rest is absolutely uh, integral to our existence. Um, Every day we have to sleep while, uh, so we have to rest while we sleep. Um, Without it we become very unhealthy. But more than that, our weekly pattern begins with rest. Rest is wired in. So notice that that means we don't work towards rest, you know, living for the weekend so I can just get a bit of rest. We work from rest. That's what that Genesis pattern suggests. We work from rest. We don't work to earn rest either, but rest is given. It is a gift. It's, it's a gift of grace from God to us. So rest comes first and is therefore all grace and gift to us. It's wired into the very fabric of creation and it is good. Rest is good. And because it's good, God puts it in his top 10 rules for life at number four, which is pretty significant. The, the 10 commandments, Deuteronomy chapter five, Exodus chapter 20, um, God's top 10 rules for life. Number four, keep the Sabbath day holy, rest, and then work, but rest, rest first. By the way, in passing, the fact that God puts Sabbath rest in his top 10 rules for life, I think suggests that though rest is wired into us physically, that need for rest is in some way in tension with our souls. He has to tell us to rest. Our souls often feel restless, which can lead us to rest less. We are easily enslaved, not to Egyptians like our forebears, but to all sorts of other slave masters. More of them later. So, number one, rest is wired in. We know it from experience. We know it because God tells us very clearly that he's created us that way. We are made to need rest. Number two, rest reveals trust. And this is where we will look at Psalm 127, if you've still got that open. Um, Often... The way that we work can forget the way that work is in collaboration with God. And God is very much the senior partner in our work. Um, So Psalm 127 verse 1 famously says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers build in vain. They build in vain. It's like that picture of working really hard but not really getting much out of it. Verse 2, in vain you rise early and stay up late toiling for food to eat. 
As I read that a few weeks ago in preparation for this sermon, I was struck at what a description that was in many ways resonating with, how our, cult, with our culture's attitude to work. Do you know what I mean? Like, work harder. Um, and it feels often in vain. You stay up a bit later, you get up a bit earlier. Why? It's in vain. What is the actual reason for it? Um, Time is money, says, actually, I think it was Benjamin Franklin possibly that said that, although I'm sure other clever people have said it as well. And that, that is our, our attitude at the moment in our culture. And so 24-hour supermarkets, longer business hours, um, start earlier, finish later, greater efficiency means greater profit. That's the kind of drive. It's toil, as Psalm 127 would put it. It's toil, and it is ultimately in vain. What's it all for? It's in vain. So why do we do it? Now, I want to be clear at this point, because there are lots of working people in this room. Um, I want to be clear that this is biblical wisdom. This is not kind of hard and fast rules. There can be good reasons why, particularly for a short period of time, we may have to work very, very long hours. So I'm not having a go at people that work long hours. Um, that you might be working emergency shifts, you might be going through an important transition, you might recently have been promoted, all those things might cause you to have to work really, really, really hard, particularly maybe for a short period of time. But here is the thing that I would love us to grasp this morning, which I think Psalm 127 hints at, and that is that rest reveals our trust. So if I'm not resting enough, it may reveal my trust is somewhere other than God. So take sleep as an example. I love sleep. Um, (laughs) um, And I also love the fact that every single day, whoever you are, however important you are in your place of work or in your family or in your local community, you have to lie down and try and switch off your body and be totally at the mercy of other people for about eight hours. Whoever you are, you have to do it. Those eight hours are like a daily or nightly acknowledgement that uh, we are creaturely and that we depend on something else. That we are not totally self-sufficient. That we can't do it all. And for us as Christians when we sleep, uh, we are saying, I trust God for these next few hours. The French novelist Victor Hugo um, said, um, go to sleep in peace. God is awake. That is our attitude as we go to sleep. That is what we are expressing. So taking proper rest and enough sleep is an act of trust in God. And that is why I think Psalm 127 moves from that labour in vain, that toil that maybe captures something of our cultural attitude to it, to then saying, um, famously verse 3 I think it is, um, he gives sleep to those he loves. Or an alternative translation, while they sleep, he provides for those he loves. So getting enough sleep is part of trusting God. It is, it is a nightly declaration that you cannot save the world and you are putting your trust in God rather than yourself at that point. You cannot save the world. You cannot do it all. But God can and God will. Um, and so con- to continuously trim my sleep, negatively as it were, says, well, maybe there's a suggestion that my trust is being put elsewhere so here is a challenging question for us all Um, if you are working in a pattern which frequently or continuously does not allow you to sleep long enough or to take a full day of rest 
each week. Why? It may be you're placing trust somewhere other than God, or it may be that you are in a work environment which is kind of out of your control, um, which for a variety of reasons doesn't allow you to rest properly and regularly. And I simply want to say, from looking at the Bible, I don't think that is good, and I don't think it's the way God's made us. And I think, here's my church trump card, (laughs) I think Jesus would agree with me. And I'll tell you for why. Um, This is where we get to Mark chapter 2 and the story of Jesus on the Sabbath. You know the story, the Pharisees, those good religious leaders, highly concerned about protecting the sanctity of the Sabbath. After all, it's number four in God's top ten rules, so pretty important. But ironically, as you know, in their zeal to protect the Sabbath, they obscure its original kind of purpose. Um, and they kind of, they, they put like religious restriction in place of its original purpose, which was for human flourishing, for good, for us, for rest. And so they challenged Jesus and his disciples. They've picked some corns of, uh, some, some bits of corn, which is a, a working on the Sabbath in their view. And Jesus, in response to their challenge, refers to a story in their Old Testament scriptures. You know, he takes their holy book and he says, ah, but have you not read this? And in referring to that story of David, he actually reminds them of the good purpose of Sabbath. And he concludes his little story by saying, and so Sabbath is for people, not No, do I mean that the other way around? What does he say? Let me get it right. Otherwise, you'll all go complete. Yes, Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. Yeah? Sabbath is for us. Sabbath is meant to be for our good. And then he rounds it all off by saying, and so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. I've often wondered what that means. I don't quite, I've never quite understood why that's his kind of, and so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. And we go, yeah, what do you mean? And I think what he means in reflecting on this passage for this talk is that he's saying, I as the son of man, you know, God become man. He empathizes and sympathizes with our weaknesses. I'm here to be guardian of your rest. And I won't let these religious people rob you of that. I am Lord of the Sabbath. I am the guardian of your rest. That's why I think Jesus would agree with me. Because he is Lord of the Sabbath. He's there as guardian of our rest. And he knows best what we need. So, there we go. Rest is wired in. Rest reveals our trust. And there may be some challenge in there for us. And thirdly, rest is our final destination. Some here will be retired. Um, If you are retired, you know what it means to stop paid work. But no doubt, many here who are retired will also still long for rest. Um, Retirement does not always equal rest. Rest, in a full human and biblical sense, is about far more than simply not working. So the goal for humanity, which Christians believe we have discovered, is not retirement, you'll be pleased to know, but rest. So what does that mean? I'm just going to The the children are joining us because they're going to be coming and joining us for communion. So I might just pause for 10 seconds as they come in. Um, Children, do come and find find your parents and come and take a seat. It is lovely that we're going to be here all together as a church family to have communion um, in a few minutes. Don't worry, children, I have not long to go. And don't worry, adults also. 
We're just thinking about rest as our final destination. What does rest mean in the full biblical sense? Well, it means, so you know the invitation from Jesus. Jesus said, he invited, he said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, I will give you rest, rest for your souls. When Jesus said that, he wasn't kind of improvising or making stuff up. He was riffing on a huge theme of scripture, a huge theme of God's people in the Old Testament. So God redeemed his people of Israel from slavery to the Egyptians. Why? Well, so that they could enter the promised land and have rest, rest from their enemies and rest uh, with God, bless his blessing with God in their midst. That was what they were rescued from slavery for. And so rest is being with God. And now in the new creation, the new heavens and the new earth, which we as Christians are working towards, that is what we are walking towards. Full rest, communion with God, being in God's presence. Rest in its fullest sense. So while God's Old Testament people found partial rest under Joshua and David and all those people, it was never complete. Which is why in Hebrews chapter 4, the writer of the Hebrews says, this rest of God is still open to us. And it says now we can enter that rest, not through going into a physical promised land, but through the blood of Jesus, through faith in him. So we can enter God's rest through faith in Jesus. We can know God. We can know his presence with us, which is what rest really is through Jesus. And so rest actually becomes a picture of what it means to know Jesus and to know him fully in the new heavens and the new earth. And I I want to encourage you with that this morning. However you're feeling, restless or tired, the Christian is the one who can come to Jesus for rest for their souls. So finally, as I finish this morning, you may be burdened by work. If you are burdened by work, can I invite you to come to Jesus for deep rest? to trust him more than your employer. For some, that might be doing something radical to change the relentless rhythms of your life. For others, it might mean just getting to bed earlier and making sure you have a full day off each week. And can I just say, as you do that, that will mean don't don't set your hope on your career or money or even children or a spouse Set it on Jesus, who gives your restless heart rest. That is the key to knowing full rest. Finally, there may be some here who are burdened by the fear of death. And again, for you, come to Jesus. Those who come to Jesus for rest in this life will know eternal rest in the life to come. Rest which isn't just a heavenly retirement, but which is knowing yourself to be known, to be fully known. It is sin, not only forgiven as we know it in this life, but completely gone. It is your longings fulfilled. It is your body restored, your relationships righted, your love properly directed. That is what rest is. And that is our final destination. So take heart this morning. Rest is wired in. Rest reveals where our trust is. And rest is our final destination. Amen.